Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? My message today continues the story of Molly who faces many obstacles in her role as interim pastor of the Doodlebug Community Church in South Louisiana. Our scripture is from the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pastor Molly often started her day feeling discouraged. Perhaps she was too shy to be an interim pastor or any kind of pastor at all. Whenever she stepped into the pulpit of the Doodlebug Community Church, she felt like an astronaut about to be catapulted into outer darkness. She did not yet know that her real gift was for the small conversations that bind a community together, or that her shyness was seen by the folks of Doodlebug not as a weakness, but as the endearing quality of softness the French call tendresse. Yes, as I was saying, what we need is more programming, more things on the calendar, more things, more things, roared Molly's intimidating predecessor, who was well aware that she had not been listening. The recently retired Reverend Knowles Pilgrim, who was locally known as Naughty Problem, was nothing if not loud, and had a reputation for punishing his flock with interminable sermons that had been known to cause agitated boredom and public snoring. <laughs> Molly knew, however, that she ignored Reb Naughty at her peril. Back at her cottage, Pastor Molly gazed forlornly at her seminary books, which had never been cozy companions. Her eyes fell on a battered volume called Lectio Divina, The Ladder of Paradise, written by Guigo II, who she remembered was the prior of the Grand Chartreuse Monastery in the 11th century. Molly began to read. As she read, Guigo's voice took her high into the mountains of southern France, and her heart quickened. Towards the end of the Sunday service, Molly held up her flyer and said proudly, 
Please join me this Wednesday for a discussion of an ancient practice of scriptural meditation that will enliven our lives of prayer. But when Wednesday evening came, only two souls arrived at the church, each leaning on the other. <laughs> These ladies were Hyssop and Constance Fitzwilliam, two elderly sisters who lived together and were never seen apart. They were individually and collectively famous for wearing earmuffs whatever the season and for misunderstanding whatever was said. <laughs> Before we begin, please tell me what sparked your interest in Lectio Divina, said Pastor Molly, who had been preparing furiously for this moment. She was the people's princess, said Hyssop piously. And that husband of hers was rotten from the get-go, said Constance. Pastor Molly held up the Lectio Divina book in confusion. Oh, we thought this was a lecture on Princess Diana, exclaimed Hyssop, with obvious disappointment as the two ladies shuffled towards the door. Back at her cottage, Pastor Molly called her cousin, Father Joe, who was a priest in the little town of Wink, Texas, and a great source of comfort to one and all. I gave a program and nobody came, she confessed tearfully. Well, Molly, you just have to go to the people until they're ready to come to you, said Father Joe. That's what Jesus would do. He was out walking by the seashore, visiting people in their homes, going to the marketplace. You're just going to have to do like that till they know you better. This advice was a relief to Molly, who did not feel she could fill up every square on the calendar with programming if her life depended on it. But how could she go knocking on doors empty-handed? Suddenly, Molly's little face opened like a sunflower. She would do what her grandmother, Nanno, had would do and make beignets. From her stores, she took butter, flour, eggs, milk, salt, sugar, shortening, and yeast, and set about to make a patachou, a light pastry dough that had been made in much the same way since Chef Pontinelli invented it for Catherine de Medici in the days of the joust. Nano had taught her to make a yeastless dough that puffed as it fried, but Molly made it now in the style of the Café du Monde and left it covered in a bowl to rise. When it was ready, she cut the beautiful dough into squares, deep fried them until they were puffy and crisp, and dusted them extravagantly with powdered sugar. Now the kitchen smelled like the embrace of a mother's arms. As her hands moved deftly and surely to create a bit of heaven, as the smell of the frying beignet 
called up happy memories as she felt the confidence of doing something she knew she could do. Molly was transported with joy. She felt the Holy Spirit come upon her and rest within her. It was as if she had moved into wordless prayer that brought God's presence right into her sunny kitchen and into her heart. Molly piled the warm, fragrant beignet into a basket and loaded it on her bicycle. Off she went to follow in Jesus' footsteps among the folks of Dudebach. The first house that Molly passed was that Tweety Laveau, a Creole woman of color who was the matriarch of a large and thriving clan. In the front window was a sign that read, Tweety's braids knock at the back door. But there was no need to knock because Molly could hear laughing voices in the backyard. There stood Tweety, tall and proud, her hands moving skillfully through the hair of a little girl who was grinning from ear to ear. Hello there, Pastor Molly, said Tweety. This is my niece, little Tina. Did you come about some braids? You know, I can do every kind of plait there is. I even do one I invented myself called Sassy Girl. Ooh, put me some of those beignets over there. You know, the high school boys come to me, too. Sit still, Tina. Molly spun a yarn about why she was asking folks about their lives of prayer. Tweety laughed. Well, I don't get down on my knees, if that's what you mean. She paused. You know, most of the Lord comes to me when I'm braiding hair. And that's what I do all day, so he's just with me all day. Little Tina, who had grabbed a beignet, smiled a powdered sugared smile. Next, Molly approached Camellia Frill, a young mother with three little children, who was hanging up her wash on an old-fashioned clothesline. Camellia's eyes lit up when she saw the beignet, and her kids came running. You might think this is silly, she said in answer to Molly's question. But when I'm hanging the clothes on the line is when I'm feeling the spirit. It's so pretty out here and the birds are singing. And as I lift up my head each time to peg something, I'm saying to myself, one of the Psalms. She began to recite from memory in a high, sweet voice. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. As she pedaled on, Molly came upon Elevedio Guzman riding on a John Deere lawnmower as he cut the grass on the huge lawn of Chatterley's rest home. Over the strong scent of the wet grass, Elevedio smelled the beignet and cut off his mower. Oh, no, you are not interrupting me, Miss Molly, he said kindly. I was just about to take a break. They moved into the shade, and Eleverio produced two bottles of cold water. 
Your beignets are like the churros I make, he said delightedly as he took his first bite. We should compare notes sometime. The truth is, when I am praying is when I am cutting grass on a big lot like I'm doing right now. I start by going around the outside edges and work my way to the center in smaller and smaller circles. And as I go, a great peace comes over me. Sometimes I say the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I just let the vibrations of the more go all through my body. And I feel the hand of God upon me. His eyes shone. When I am doing my work, said Elverio, I am never alone. Molly's last stop of the afternoon was at the home of Ardenia Bessett, who was called Miss Basket because of her famous basket pattern quilts. Come in, come in, said Ardenia warmly. She was wearing an elaborate apron covered with pockets for scissors and sewing notions that jangled as she walked. Ardenia sat back down in her lazy boy rocker and picked up her crochet needles, which clicked in time with her voice. You caught me making something, which you probably always will, because I always have some little piece of work in my hands. See this here? She handed Molly a women's magazine open to a pattern. Today, I'm making this cover that attaches to a doll's body and fits over a roll of toilet tissue so the cover makes the doll's skirt. It's going to be real cute. Molly had seen many such dolls in bathrooms all over Plaquemines Parish that might have come from Ardenia's hands. She looked around the room and saw a wooden frame holding a wildly colorful log cabin quilt in progress, an old singer sewing machine, and work baskets overflowing with crafts of every kind. In answer to Molly's question, Ms. Basket said, Praying, honey, you're seeing it right now because I pray with my hands. Ardenia's weathered face was the picture of serenity as her fingers turned the yarn into a southern belle who would rule over a roll of toilet paper by nightfall. Back in her cottage once more, Molly felt elated and filled with gratitude. She picked up the Lectio Divina book, considered it for a moment, and then went into the kitchen to make another fine batch of patachuto. Early the next morning, which was Sunday, she cut the beignet in the church kitchen, fried them, and dusted them with sugar before anyone arrived. As Molly stepped into the pulpit to preach, she looked out to see strangers who were becoming her friends. For a brief moment, her heart froze with the familiar terror, but 
then the comforting smell of the fresh beignet which filled the church rushed into her senses and she began to speak. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, but there are many kinds of prayer, she said softly. In the family I come from, we pray with our hands. Tweety, Camellia, Elevedio, and Ardenia smiled encouragingly. How do you pray with your hands, your feet, your arms, your legs, your voice, your senses, with your whole body? How do you experience God in these moments? What does it mean to you to pray without ceasing?